Good Tuesday evening. Thank you for tuning back into Black Cash Podcast. I'm your co-host, Matt. And I'm uh, the other co-host, Shane. Yep. What's up, man? What is going on, man? How how's your week been since last Tuesday? Nah. Same old crap. Work. Yeah. Work. Work. Fuck. Dude, it is so hot today. I don't envy you. By any means. Um, it was miserable. All I could think about was going home and taking a hot shower. <laughs> and my my kid's like, why would you take a hot shower? Why wouldn't you take a cold bath? I'm like, because you take a hot shower, and then you get out in the air conditioning. It's amazing. It's like an ice cube. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have an in-studio guest tonight. Shane, I'll go ahead let you uh, introduce him. Yeah. So this is a friend of mine, and well, Matt's too, um, but we invited Jared who is a therapist, right? Yes. I want to say that right. So you're a therapist, and you work with single individuals and couples. Correct? Yes, that's correct. Right. So we're going to pick your brain tonight, and maybe we can psychoanalyze uh, Matt and see what the fuck's going on <laughs> with him. <laughs> Might need a couple more degrees in your belt to figure that yeah, one out. There's probably, not enough, <laughs> there's probably not enough time in our episode to get to square Matt away. But, no, we, uh, we certainly appreciate you giving us your time and coming on and um, – but before we get started, I did want to bring up Ella um, French and anybody who's watched the news lately in the past day or two. Um, Ella French was a police officer for Chicago PD. Um, her and her partner were basically ambushed by three individuals that they had stopped to do a welfare check on. And uh, unfortunately, she lost her life. Uh, and as right now, and I haven't heard anything new, but as of right now, her partner is... Um, fighting for his life. I know he has a uh, bullet lodged in his brain. So um, keep those, keep keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Um, but I just want to say that real quick because we do support our law enforcement. We back the blue on this show. So yeah, for sure. And I thought it was awesome that when Mayor Lightfoot decided she'd go visit that officer that's fighting for his life when she walked into the hospital or walking up to the hospital all the officers i think there's like 30 of them there all turn turn their back to her because she's been so for uh defunding the police and been against them and that just shows their solidarity that they're not happy with her and yeah well you can see i mean chicago's uh they had 47 shootings over the weekend 47 shootings from friday night to sunday night with the most strict gun laws in the country. Yeah. It's okay. Well, we want to add more, though. That makes sense. Oh, and uh, Cuomo yeah. um, resigned today. Couldn't keep his digits to himself. <laughs> and he, he he didn't apologize for anything. No. He, I didn't realize the what he says, how the times have changed and it's not appropriate anymore. It's like, yeah. Well, you can't go up and grab a girl's titty. No. Not have repercussions, especially when they're governor of New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying yeah anyway let's get out of that we're not talking about all that bullshit tonight nope so jared yes what's sir. going on man i'm sweating my rear end off yeah yeah i know it's fucking hot in the studio but it's what we're left with they'll give us a little background on you you yeah, know so just basic <clears throat> stuff yep so i am a uh blissfield graduate of the wonderful blissfield schools here i um I ended up getting my uh, master's degree in professional counseling, and I got my license, and I've been working with individuals and couples ever since. Where'd you uh, Where'd you get your degree from? Um, I got well, I did undergrad at uh, Finley University, but I got my master's from Spring Arbor University. Gotcha. So, and so, how long have you been actually a licensed therapist? 
uh, what would that be, seven years now? I think. Yeah. Nice. Like you enjoy it? Most days. I yeah. mean, with any job, there's challenges and frustrations that come into play. But, yeah, for the most part. <clears throat> what What do you think your favorite part of being a therapist is? I mean, don't – not the obvious, like, well, I help people because that's the obvious answer. But what do you think your favorite part of it is? Yeah, so I've been asked this question a lot, and <laughs> usually people laugh when I give my answer. But my answer is um, I really like when I get that aha moment from a client. Like we've been working on things for a long time and talking about certain things. And then every once in a while, you literally get this moment where they go, oh, yeah, now it all kind of fits together. And then you really start to see change. Um, I mean, it's not like everything is fixed at that point in time and their life is grand. But um, usually you see more of a an uptick in their behaviors and their moods and their perceptions. So that's usually my favorite moment. So like they don't realize that they're wrong in a certain, or not necessarily wrong or whatever. They might be doing something that, say, their partner doesn't. But they don't see why they don't, yeah. Why they think their behavior is like it's this like is how I've moment. been my whole life. It's right. like that moment of clarity. Yeah, like their perspective just changes in that moment. It's like like the light bulb comes on. They're like, oh, now I get what you've been talking about this time. And now now I understand why we've been doing what we've been doing. Um, and it kind of fits. Um, we might call it like emotional intelligence. You just have this moment that comes on. It's like, oh, okay, great. And then there's usually a pretty significant change. Um, like I said, not that everything's just hunky-dory from that point forward mm -hmm. now that's I, a starting point to yep. get better yeah there. so it, I mean, and i'm assuming this is different with anybody well, well probably everybody but what do you think is the typical range that a person uses a therapist i don't know how to say that correctly but you know what i'm saying like how long do you think the average person and spends talking to you to oh. to finally kind of get there because everybody's different i get that but is there i mean is it a year six months yeah, so um, long story short, so there's different modalities for therapy, right? So there's psychoanalytics, there's cognitive behavioral therapy, there's mindfulness. mindfulness. Sorry, I'm slurring. I'm on the radio right now. but um, <laughs> And so those different modalities actually have different time frames and what they do, how, how they – you see different outcomes, right? So um, they have things called – actually, there's a theory called brief uh, therapy, which is totally focused on six to eight sessions – we're going to change things and you're going to get about your life. Um, and there's different arguments of why one is better than the other, but like psychoanalytics, uh, people go for years, you know, um, and it's beneficial to them and they really find it beneficial. So they continue to go. Um, it just depends on what your modality is. What, what would be the difference between uh, your job as a therapist and a um, psychiatrist? Uh, so a psychi other than the doctorate. <laughs> what are you talking about a psychiatrist or a psychologist? Well, I guess I don't know the difference, so maybe you can enlighten me. So a psychiatrist is a medical doctor who specializes in uh, dealing with psychiatric measures, right? So they, their main focus now is prescribing medications to people who need psych meds, and that's their job. A psychologist um, that is not necessarily focused on research. So when you get a PhD in psychology, well, you can get a master's in psychology too, but um, I think you're more focused on the doctorate. Um, they... They can do either research or they can do what I do, which is counseling or therapy, or they do a combination of both. Um, if they're doing therapy, it's the exact, I mean, they do the same thing. Actually, the guy that I work for is a psychologist, so. Gotcha. Well, uh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> that happens. So, have you ever thought about taking that next step and doing... I mean, I to me, I guess it'd be more interesting to talk to people than do research. But 
for somebody that's in that profession, what do you feel would be more beneficial to to people doing the research to figure out the whys or actually talking to somebody? Oh, for me personally, talking yeah, to somebody. For I, have, you. I have no desire to do the research. Um, I mean, I applaud the people that do. They give me the tools to do what I do, but that's not, I have no drive to do that whatsoever. Yeah. Seems to be kind of uh, monotonous and just constantly just go through. It's, uh, it is, but it's, I mean, it's extremely fascinating. Um, right. Like, so like case studies and you read through the, like different profiles of different. Um, well, no, they, there, there are people that literally do research on individuals that are either in mental institutions or like John Gottman did research for years on couples. And he's, he's, pro- I would say he's probably got the number one developed. I mean, I guess I'm biased cause I'm a Gottman, Gottman trained therapist, but, um, for couples counseling and that's what he did for him and his partner and, and now his wife, they just did research on couples for th- over 30 years oh, wow. and developed a, a system of uh, therapy for that. What does that entail as far as like for the, like just the basic synopsis of what, for couples, for that, that form of what therapy? Is he, for his research? Or yeah, for I mean for like how how you were taught and is there Oh, a, yeah, yeah. So uh, Gottman's main thing is a lot of it's communication and, and because when you have couples, you, it's, it's funny to see like, when you say something, your intent actually is something different than what you're actually saying. So what you're trying to communicate is not coming across to your partner. And that's when you get things, he calls them the four horsemen of uh, communication, meaning like those are the death of a relationship is like uh, criticism, defensiveness, um, stonewalling, which is where you just kind of like ignore your partner um, and contempt where you talk down to your partner like you think you're the expert and all this kind of stuff. And, and those are the four big areas that he looked at not to do, right? So he developed a system of how not to do those things. Do you, do you ever find somebody or or a person that you know because there's a million videos on like youtube and stuff and they you know where you could watch different doctors talk about different things and then say my wife and i are having a a problem and i go in and i'm listening to these doctors talk and i do it for like a week or two weeks at a time does it ever get to the point where that person or we'll use me as an example like if i and i don't think i've ever done this but feel like i'm um I know more than my wife, so I'm gonna because because now I'm educated. I listened to two two weeks of short ten minute videos, and now I'm more educated than my wife, and I'm gonna put it in her face to, well, because I'm an expert now because that's what the doctor says. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That, does that cause strife in a, in a in a relationship? Yeah, hundred percent. Because that's you're, you're trying to control a situation and not necessarily deal with your own part that is uh, in the relationship itself. And I actually call those weapons. We we do that all the time in uh, therapy i'm like well you're using a weapon right now right so you're you think of it like you walk around with this bag full of all these weapons and one might be well i watched this youtube video mm-hmm. and you're it, this youtube video is telling me that you're messed up and you're wrong right it's your fault just human nature it, i would think that people would listen to videos that are going to be beneficial to them that are yeah. more sided towards my side of the argument and then i can take that and throw it in my wife's face and be like well this is what this doctor this professional said and i listened to him and and he's telling me i'm right so that you have to be wrong you're gonna have those biases because you're always looking for to confirm your own ideas right Yep, exactly and and to hear to hear somebody tell you that you're wrong Mm -hmm. or your thought process is wrong you're gonna skip the video yeah you're like fuck that i'm gonna go to the guy i know i'm right right. what the hell (laughs) well i mean and does that suck for you because now you're you're having to repair more shit than what needed to be repaired 
Um, no, because I call them on it and I tell them um, in the beginning of when we, so when we do like our analysis and we meet for the first time and all this stuff, I tell them, I'm like, I'm going to call you on your stuff. This is about you being better, not about you trying to make your partner better. And that's the biggest uh, issue that I run into is everybody wants to go to couples counseling so that way they can fix their partner. It's like, well, no, yes, you no. got to fix your own. Right. right. Together. Yes. You fix yourself. So, yep. in a, in, and I guess nothing's typical, but in a typical setting, what? how does that process start? What What starts the process of, I mean, couples obviously re- recognize they, they have a problem. That's why they're coming to you in the first place. So how does your process start with that? What do you begin with and then and so on and so forth? Um, so usually what I do is I meet with the couple first and it's very just get to know you kind of stuff, right? You know, I have my questions I have to ask because I have to fill out forms and all that kind of stuff. But um, And then I'll meet with them individually for like an hour just to get to know them. So that way I can build rapport with them. So that way they don't think like I'm on one side or the other. I have to be this right. impartial judge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we really talk about how we feel about things. And of course, you know, I'm a therapist talking about feelings, right? But our feelings are what motivate everything that we do. And we don't recognize them a lot. Like I use the out the term emotional intelligence earlier right and that's the idea of understanding exactly what it is that you're feeling and why you're feeling that way because there'll be people who will act throughout the day and interact with people and they'll have no idea why they are doing or saying what they do and the first step is figuring out why you're doing like you might feel inadequate let's say you just feel especially for husbands right sometimes we just feel inadequate like maybe we don't make as much money as our wife or girlfriend's ex you know or whatever or um, we're not as good at certain things or whatever, so we feel inadequate, and we end up ter- really like tearing our partner down because what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring them down to our level so that way we can feel either equal or superior to them. Right. Um, and just really beginning to understand that is is really where I start. <clears throat> Instead of bringing yourself up to meet that level of what you you think you're missing, or just accept bring- the fact that your wife or girlfriend or or you're not going to you're not as a qualified person as their ex may have been and you're not making that money that they but I mean is there, an, there sure. is there a point where you just need to accept that shit and Well that it? might be true but the fact is, is she still chose you so you must right. be pretty right. good at other things right, right? whatever yeah. that is yeah yep right we but, always think like bunny's like a big thing for guys but it, it's really not that important i mean as long as you're you know putting food on the table i guess or whatever the situation roof over your head and yeah or there's know. a reason she's not with him anymore exactly. and she's with you yeah. So figure out what is good about you and, and celebrate maybe that. celebrate that and then figure out what's wrong with you and maybe try to fix those things. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So. There's always going to be things wrong with us. Oh, right? yeah, We're absolutely. Never gonna be perfect. But yeah. celebrating the things. So a lot of individual stuff that I do is taught about loving yourself, figuring out what is great about yourself and appreciating that. Mm-hmm. Right? It puts you in a good mood and actually makes you a better human being, too. So Makes sense. <laughs> I, I Let me ask you this. Okay, in in with the knowledge that you have with you know in the in the education and that does it, do you do you find yourself analyzing your own relationships? No, not really. No, <laughs> no. It's it, for for me, um, and I'm a lot different than my colleagues. I think um, just growing up the way I grew up or where I'm at. I'm you know small town kid, fairly conservative <laughs> versus where I work in Ann Arbor and things like that, but. <laughs> Um, for me, it's it's almost like a switch. I I turn it on when I'm at work, and when I'm not at work, I turn it off. Makes sense. I mean, well, I guess that's a good place to. I mean, that's a good question. What what made Jared decide to go into that field? Because me knowing you, I would never look at you and think that this guy is a, is a 
isn't a as a therapist. <laughs> There's no fucking yeah. way, dude. You look like, and no disrespect here, I, I, and I mean this wholeheartedly. You just don't look the part. You know, it's, you're, you're not like a good you're, old boy. Yeah, you're, you're not a suit and tie guy. No, right. no, no. Not, so. so what? What makes Jared get into this? Um, you're you're out. Of, you get out of high school. What? Why? Why that career field? Oh, there's a long story when I got out of high school. I, <laughs> but when I when I finally settled down, like I, you know, I I partied a lot out of high school. I mean, I got kicked out of Michigan State for partying too much, which is, I think that should. That's be like the a, biggest party school yeah. in the nation, know, dude. How do you how do you get kicked out? out? <laughs> you must have been hardcore. Yeah, I was pretty hardcore for a while. Just yeah. Um, but you know, as I got a little bit older, anyway, I, I had a son in college too. My oldest, who's now twenty, going to be twenty one soon. Um, at some point, I kind of grew up a little bit. And decided that, um, it, it, so I grew up in the church as well. Like my parents are um, pretty committed to their faith. I grew up in the church. And so I decided that I wanted to go into the ministry. And I, that's what I did my undergrad. It was in biblical studies. And while I was there, um, there was a lady. Wait uh, a minute, hold on. Oh, sorry. Back the train up. <laughs> you did your undergrad as biblical studies. Yeah. Yet you got kicked out of Michigan State for partying too hard. <laughs> there might, that have, was there might have been a couple of years in between the two. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, I got a biblical studies degree from uh, Finley, and then I have a diploma from Weinbrenner Theological Seminary too. Um, but um, so, could you marry people? Um, no, because I I didn't follow through. I never got licensed as I a you. as a pastor. You can get that off Google, just so you know. Well, I wasn't I, I wasn't going to the Church of Google at the time. I know <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody can get licensed now. Yeah. So, Sorry, I whatever. cut you off. Yeah. No, no, you're fine. I was actually like, you know, Element Church down here? Yes. Down the road. That's where I was at. Really? So, yeah. Okay. I, dude, do you know I played drums there for like yes. a long time? Yeah. No, I yeah. knew that. I, you were, I think you were uh, coming in right about the time I left, I believe. Yeah. Yep. So, Could have been. Um, but you know, Kathy, you, do you remember Kathy Gates? She's passed now. Yeah. But, yep. So she was a uh, Christian therapist and she was volunteering and doing therapy at the church. And when I was the, when I was there in the, in the work that I was doing, I found that fascinating, and so that's why I wanted to do. Um, you know, long story short, then I ended up not I ended up leaving ministry, and, but I stuck with the counseling and became a. I, I work for a private yeah. um, institution now, but yeah, so that's how I got there. That's cool, man. So you guys do? Are you like all referred work, or do you get like some kind? You know, some doctors say, "Hey, you need." some help here with this um, yeah we get a lot of referred work and we also have a pretty uh strong presence in ann arbor um the the gentleman that i work for he's the practice is only five years old uh, and i remember when he came in i was working for a different practice at the time and, and he built up pretty quick so he's got a, a pretty good name and we have no shortage of i mean our wait lists are i feel bad about this but our wait lists are like probably like 20 people waiting to see us right now so. well, did you see like a big uptick when yes and I know you already know what I'm going to ask. So um, pre-COVID to when COVID started, and obviously a few, probably a few months down the road, but did you see a big uptick in, in I don't want to say the industry, but the that thing where you know people need to go have counseling, especially couples, because now they're spending a lot of time together. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and again, like I said, I, I'm working for a practice that has no shortage of, clients like it, it's a he's a wonderful guy he runs a wonderful business i'm very blessed to be where i'm at um but it actually dropped in the beginning when the shutdowns happened because nobody wanted to do uh well we weren't allowed to do in person because everything was shut down and we are part of um we're 
a medical model, right? So right. we are part of the medical field technically, which I hate, but we are. Um, and so it dropped way down because nobody wanted to do virtual therapy, which sounds ridiculous. Right. Um, but after a while, they realized virtual therapy is better than no therapy. And then there was a huge um, uptick, yes. Do you think people are more comfortable with a virtual because they're not sitting in front of you? They're kind of in their own element and being able to just talk to you through a screen? Depends on the age. Um, <coughs> younger people, yes. Older people, not so much, no. Now, what do you mean by younger and older? What what do you, what would you say that age range is from? So younger people would be, probably if you're, well, I'm trying to, I guess I'm, I'm trying to think, but I would think like maybe 30 and under, no big deal. Yeah, actually, probably 35 and under, no big deal because they grew up with everything. Right, mm-hmm. right. I I didn't grow up with anything. Right, um, and uh, so people my age, like 40s and up, um, it, they do it and they get used to it, but it's really uncomfortable in the beginning. I would think it'd be a little more comfortable. I mean, and again, I'm only 36, so maybe that's it goes with what you're saying. But you know, if you're in your own home, kind of your own setting, you're not in a doctor's office. You're just kind of in your own element. You'd be a little more relaxed. Certainly not sitting with somebody across from you. You know, that would be true. But the the problem is, is you have a camera pointing at your face, mm-hmm. and you have a mic. Like right, like I have a mic on right now. Right. right, like things are going pretty good, but I was a little bit nervous from the start. Right, mm-hmm. like you guys saw me, like oh, he's weird, whatever. But so just like <laughs> yeah, like chilling, like we're hanging out at Shane's barn, yeah. you know, and that's all we do. Is have but conversations. That's what people have when they first do this is they have this camera pointing right at them, and mm-hmm. they have this microphone in that they don't know where it's going. You know, it's going over the internet, and especially right. people are forty and up. They're like, oh, is Biden listening to us? Or whatever, right, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, but eventually they they. Get comfortable used to it. it. Yeah, I've had multiple clients who have left since we went virtual that have come back. So, do you now? You said, do you work from home right now? Now, yes. Okay, I continue to. So you do like the Zoom or whatever stuff you do. Okay. Now, prior to that, were you? Did you work out of an office or did you travel? How'd that work? Yep. Uh, Yeah, we have an office up on uh, State Street, so I would drive up there every day. Yeah, I could. I. I shouldn't even say this, but. I could assume there's quite a few people in Ann Arbor that um, probably need to be talking to. <laughs> I'll leave it at well, that. I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's kind of the couple side. Um, what do you think the biggest problem is with couples getting along? Is there, is there a common thing with couples getting along that, that kind of hinders them from, from just seeing eye to eye? Is there... Is there or, or is every individual I mean obviously every individual case is different but is there kind of a common ground where you like I've seen this before a lot of times no you you've seen them all before it's it's rarely do I run it I mean unless I'm have some guy or girl who's like a narcissist or a psychopath or something like that <laughs> thank god I've never run across that but no they're all they all kind of fit into the same category and a lot of it has to do with just your own self view and your own self image self esteem how you value yourself you know, I'm, I'm going to assume like over time too is, I mean, is it most of your couples that you see, is it they've been together for say 10 years and they just kind of grow apart and they, or do you think, you know, a lot of that, actually, that's not really all that consistent. I get guy, uh, couples that are, well, see, it's, it's different too, because people live together for a lot longer before they get married now than yeah. Yeah. in the old and Yeah, that's true. Whatever, yeah. You know? yeah. Anything about that. So I don't really look at the marriage. I look at how long the relationship is. And it is, it's usually around three and a half to yep. seven. I have had couples that have been together for like 17 years. And those are the most difficult cases because there's 17 years of stubborn. Crime. Right. Stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. Stubborn. Right. Yeah. 
their their feet are dug in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the people I look to my colleagues for advice. Getting <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> advice for these guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm. I got me and my wife about three year mark. We went through a thing. Yeah. And we fixed it, and we've never been better. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we still we're not every day. I think you're always going to have arguments. You're never going to yeah. agree on everything 100% all the time. It's, I mean, it's not leave it to Beaver. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no. And it, But that's a good thing, you know, because if you're willing to open up and understand your spouse's um, perspective on things, even if you don't agree with it, that's what they're seeing and that's what they believe. At least you know where they're at on stuff. Yeah, the goal of marriage counseling or couples counseling is never – we don't ever want to have another argument or disagreement. Right. I mean, you're always going to have that. Um, it's it, how you handle that. It's healthy though, right? Isn't it healthy to have those conversations where you disagree, you, you might get angry, but it's healthy because at least you're getting your shit out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You want to be able to feel heard, you know, by your partner, right? You know, you want to be in the safe space. I did air quotes. <laughs> you know. um, so, yeah. Sometimes you have couples where one person never, ever talks about how they feel about things because they're, afraid of the consequences of that you know and and i'm not talking like physical abuse just like verbal right Mm -hmm. you know if you have someone who's a better arguer that's a big thing um you know certain people uh, are just good at arguing you know they're good at creating an an argument or a perspective for themselves and they just dominate arguments so other other person just doesn't never shares what they feel and they should be lawyers (laughs) (laughs) yeah lawyers or businessmen yeah yeah and I don't think it's, it's obviously it can't be healthy for somebody to hold back how they feel in fear of rep- repercussions from their their spouse, whether it be the silent treatment or I'm going to sleep at my sister's house or I, you know what I mean? Any of those things. That, I mean that. But how do you approach somebody that you don't feel that you could be comfortable talking to because of that fear? What you mean, me personally, or like a couple? Like a couple, if you're if you want to talk to somebody about something that's bothering you, but you're in fear. I mean, you're in fear of repercussions. How do you approach it? Um, go get therapy, so that way you have a third party there to help you. Um, if that's not an option, um, you have someone that that other person trusts and respects that can be present in that moment to talk to them so that way they don't feel like they're being ganged up down because it's like their person right um but they are someone who can understand the situation a little bit and help communicate that well and i think it probably helps to have somebody that's not biased so you're not having like you're right you don't want that confirmation bias yeah. to where if you go to your family yeah your family they're going to tell you you're right most of the time yeah. He's wrong or she's wrong, and I mean sometimes. I mean if it's blatantly obvious that somebody did something horrible, yeah. If you have a good fam- if you have a good family, like, no, <laughs> yeah. it was you. You screwed you know? up. Yeah. So, well, that's one of the things I really preach. Actually, even if one person screws up, um, the way that I view relationships is you're both responsible for that situation. It's like how did you contribute to that? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're talking about the person that never feels like they can share how they feel because they're dominated in an argument they're verbally dominated those are the ones that you find to wind up having an affair or they end up just packing a bag and leaving without ever saying anything and the other person's like what happened i don't understand this right right so. right that's a huge dynamic and we'll we can continue we got coming up on our break yeah so um we'll continue here we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with you guys thanks for uh, listening to black cash podcast we'll be right back 
we're back again. Segment two, we got Jared, the therapist, the one and the only guy with, what were we talking about when we were on break? You got the face for radio? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I kept telling him that every time I'd ask him to come on. I had to twist this guy's arm to come on our show. You know how popular we are? We got like two people. <laughs> we just listen to ourselves. We're headed over. for the EIB network. <laughs> Which out buying Gino. We're yeah. coming for you. <laughs> so now uh, we were talking about couples therapy and problems and, and what have you and get some insight from a very knowledgeable person. So he claims. <laughs> definitely debatable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what about uh, individuals? Why would an individual feel like they need to come talk to a therapist? What are some of the things you run across? Oh, geez, that's uh, that's a wide range of topics. Um, I get I get people who are not doing well in their career. I get people who are just not feeling right. They just say something feels off, or I'm not able to enjoy things I used to enjoy, which is a call that blunted effect. That's a sign of depression. Um, I get I I actually work with a lot with guys with porn addiction um, that have gotten caught by their partner <laughs> they like well i need to change this right this isn't i've tried to stop and it's not working so i work a lot with that um yeah what wider range of things okay and i don't mean to pick fun at it but like the porn addiction thing i mean you to me it would it would take a little bit of balls to come to a, another grown man and be like hey man i got i got a porn addiction yeah it's an uncomfortable conversation for that 100 percent. Um, i mean it's is it uncomfortable for you? At this point, no. I mean, in the beginning, though, it probably was like. Sure, I remember when I was an intern, and uh, my intern experience was a little bit different. I was just thrown in an office by myself, um, and just said, "Here, go." Yeah, therapy. here, help people. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but I remember the first guy that came in was like, "Yeah, I'm coming to see you. My wife's mad, and I'm, I've been struggling with porn addiction for a long time." And I'm like, "Uh, okay. How does that make you feel?" You know. Um, good at the end <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but at this point um, I diffuse the situation but like, you know I do my whole spiel you know about it and I call it the perfect girlfriend you know and, right and all that kind of stuff because so. I mean people are, you know, do you get I mean there's I would assume there's more men than women but do you get women that come to you with porn addiction no no actually I've never had a female uh, client who's had a porn addiction that's never so we're just the sick fuckers here Kind of, but just, I mean, I mean, porn is the... You're living out every fantasy you want to live in your own private mind. Exactly. So you're, you're, you're building a whole world in your mind. Yep. And it's, it's, tailored, it's tailored to men. I mean, it really yeah. is. I mean, um, just how our brain chemistry works versus the females. And I, I know in this day and age, we got to be careful with what we say about that. But yeah, it is It is very tailored to men. And it is, like I call, I always call it the perfect girlfriend. Yeah, you know she's she's the one that makes you feel great, but she's stealing your shit out the back door when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. You don't even know it. You know she just takes everything from you, but in well, your eyes she's perfect. What what would you say is a porn addiction? What what constitutes something as an addiction? Uh, by definition, a desire to cease doing that and not being able to. Um, if even if it's uh, once a year and you just cannot stop, I guess you know that would be by definition of a, a porn addiction. Do you find that it could be healthy though? It, it, for somebody to probably depends on the couple um some some therapists do believe that it's a useful tool in therapy um i i do not i don't um i I, i've never really gone down that path of seeing it as a useful tool um just because of what it how it reacts to the brain 
Um, but some some therapists do. Yeah, it, it probably it probably takes away from the intimate intimate intimacy with your spouse because you're fantasizing. You're setting the bar so high with these fantasy fantas. How do you how would you say that fantasizations or yeah. Um, but you're setting that bar so so high that you know your wife's not going to do that or your husband. And so it's probably less fulfilling for you to be intimate with your wife or husband because they're not fulfilling that fantasy that you want. Am I, am I right by, by thinking that way? That, that is true. Um, but really a lot of it has to do with just stimulation. Um, you know, visual stimulation is a big thing for men. Um, and just looking at a screen, like you guys heard, heard about like you know, blue light and things like that, everything that they put on a screen now is meant to stimulate you, to give you a dopamine rush because it makes it more addictive. It makes you want to come back. Um, so yeah, I mean, porn, yeah, that's that's why people aren't buying magazines anymore, right? Right. <laughs> like, right. Magazines weren't nearly as addictive as uh, online usage, just because of that dopamine rush to it. Right, and yeah, you'd have to wait another month before the next magazine came out, <laughs> yeah, and true. now you can just get on your phone and yep. and whatever like, weird stuff you want to look up, you can look up for yep. sure. And that's why. Yeah, everything's got to reach your fingertips. It's mm-hmm. just, just everything always there. Yeah, I mean, technology is great, but it also isn't always great no i mean i i would assume it's it's probably no different than like if you were a heroin addict or something like that where it's like having that drug right in front of you every day mm-hmm. pretty much mm-hmm. free because it's in, in instantly yep yep very much so and, and that's the thing about it too is it's um there's a reason why as we've seen the internet come about right with and just free porn everywhere and you also see a, a commercial for viagra or it's alternative every I don't know, 30 seconds on the TV is because there is a straight correlation between porn addiction or using porn, whether you believe you're addicted or not and masturbation and not being able to become fully aroused when you're intimate with your partner. Right. Yeah. So what, what, what advice would you give to somebody? And I'm not using me as an example. I'm just asking. You ever seen for a friend <laughs> for, for long time listener, first time caller asking for a friend. Um, but d- with with somebody that does have that addiction and finds themselves where they can't be fully aroused with their wife, what like what kind of advice would you give somebody like that? How do you break that cycle? Uh, well, a long time of therapy actually. So it, it does take a long time to to kind of break that addiction. But I guess just off the top of my head, hang on, let me let me grab my other pen. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I'm sorry, I, I had to. <laughs> no, I, I think the the first step is just uh, admitting that there is an issue there and, and being conscious that, okay, I, I want to stop doing this, right? So the the first thing of stopping anything, whether it be smoking, drinking, you know, drugs, porn or whatever, is just admitting like, oh, okay, this, so this is something that's kind of got out of my control. And then you get people to help you if you're married or whatever your situation is. You have your partner, you share it with your partner. So your partner's like, okay, I accept this. Let's work on this. Let's be aware. Um but yeah, I think therapy would probably be the, the the best route to take. Yeah, you said it takes quite a while to break that. It does. It's it's difficult. Um, so typically, what happens is um, just like any addiction is you'll have a dry spell for a while. You're like, oh, okay, this is easy. And I've had multiple clients who have done that. Like, oh yeah, I'm so aware of this. Okay, I'm, I'm I got all the the tools. Like, there's all these tools you can get for internet access and things like that that kind of like put you on lockdown. And they're like, oh okay, I don't need therapy anymore. And then 
six months later, they're like, yeah, I, I need another session, right? Right. Because you didn't really solve the underlying problem. You just kind of took away the, the the access to it. Yeah, right, right. And usually the underlying problem, with especially with men, is just the idea of being accepted. And that's why I call it the perfect girlfriend. She's always there for you. Right. If right. you need me, sweetheart, I'm there no matter what. Yep. Right. And that's not the reality that we live in. So. No, absolutely not, because we're all married and we know the truth of that so <laughs> yeah. love you honey but <laughs> now do you do anything with uh like drugs and alcohol or anything like that or no no I, I i typically shy away from that that's not my my area um i don't have a huge desire or passion in that area but. well where is your desire where where is like like the i don't want to say situation but this what do you like doing what like the couples the individuals what's the Yep, I like doing couples. I like helping people live a different life, right? So um, if we're talking about, like, individual therapy, um, I'm really fascinated about who they are, where they came from, why they're in the situation that they're in. Um, and I love seeing growth from them. Like like we talked about that aha moment. Like, that, that I'm addicted to that. Like, yeah. that's my addiction right there. And seeing that, it just makes – I mean, it's probably a total ego. And you're probably learning, learning as much from them within you know because definitely in the beginning i was yeah you're yeah. learning as much from them as they're learning from you and and i'm sure that helps with other scenarios oh absolutely i, I definitely uh use um things that other clients have found or whatever and, and use them in um with different clients yeah absolutely sweet well it sounds like you're good at your job i hope so you, well if you enjoy your job you typically are better at your job you know yeah, research has shown actually that as long as you like your therapist, usually things go well. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of funny. All of the arguments and debates about theories, and you know, you got Ellis and Beck arguing back in the seventies about who was right about this and that. And I know you, anyway, but um, they've they found that you know actually therapy is usually successful if you just like your therapist. So if you're just a likable person, mm-hmm. they're gonna bond with you. And, you're and fucked, man. Go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's why I'm looking for a new job. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right. well I mean, I obviously, it's just you wouldn't be hanging out with people in outside of that that atmosphere. But if you didn't like the people that you were hanging out with, why would you keep hanging out with them? I yeah, mean, some people do, yeah. just because they want to be part of a clique or something. But they're like, I can't stand these three people. All this, and it's like, well, don't hang out with these people. Yeah, it's pretty simple. And I'm, I'm pretty big on that actually. So if I have a client that I don't connect with that I feel like doesn't like me, and I don't particularly like them. I refer them out. I'm like, you know, there's no connection here, and I don't want to hinder your progress. You right. Know? I have, like I said, I have a huge waiting list, so I have no reason to waste their time. Or Why force time. something that yeah, you know is not going to yep. go anywhere yeah. further than just people talking? Yeah. My ego is strong enough to be able to let someone, I mean, other than when Shane, you know, talks about my prettiness. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> have you ever, uh, is, is there a, a situation or an individual or a, or a couple that it's really stuck out to you that impacted you personally because it you know even though you're in a professional position you take stuff home with you you think about it has there ever been a situation where you really (coughs) really made you think and you kind of reflect on that sometimes yeah so there's been a a couple situations one situation that just kind of freaked me out was a guy that um he was actually he's convicted of murder now and i was seeing him after he murdered someone but before he was arrested and convicted um that would freak me out a little bit that was a little bit outside of my comfort zone um and anybody that has has suffered abuse um this is going to sound 
sexist, so forgive me, but especially females, if I have a female client who's experienced sexual abuse, my first thought is, is where's the guy that did this? And can we go get him? Like, that's a, and right. I know that that's not my job. Like, that's not right. what I'm supposed to do, but just. You're I mean, a human. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if someone walked up to you and said, this guy sexually abused me, I, both of you would probably be like, all right, let's get in the car. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, let's go you find know. him. Yep. Yeah. So I really, I, that's the, I really do struggle with that. So that's why I try to stay away from that, that area because I don't have the, the, the character or the emotional fortitude to deal with that. Yeah. Um, so it's got to be difficult, especially hearing those stories. <coughs> I know when I was, excuse me, um, when I was a sheriff's deputy, um, we'd we'd run warrants and stuff on people, and I was part of the sex offender trafficking union and all that. And there was some just... You wouldn't believe the sick fucking individuals out there. They're so close to somebody. And it was, you know... Everybody's like, well, you gotta remember it's a job. And it is a job. It is it is what you're paid to do. But at the same time, if you're not, if you're not thinking about that shit once in a while and it doesn't shake you in some way, I don't think you're really a human. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is... The, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, so... You know, a lot of people in my field, they have the ability to, to look at those individuals as um, people who are sick, right? And they're sick for a reason. And they have some sort of empathy or understanding for that. I struggle with that. I I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm glad that there are people that can, but I can't. I think, I think it's, it's good on you that you recognize that in yourself, that you... You know that there's... You know, you're going to stay in your lane. This is what who I can help professionally, that I'm not going to get emotionally attached to or that emotionally attached to that situation that you can kind of guide yourself away from that and just stick with what you know you can help and and stay away from the stuff you can't so i I think that's good on you absolutely yeah my mentor when i was uh, coming out of grad school was big into you can't be everything to everyone you have to pick a lane or two and stay in that lane because you you don't have the emotional capacity to deal with Mm -hmm. everyone with everything and that was 100 percent true well, yeah, to to have much deviation in your career would be you you just couldn't mentally be able to do all that stuff. No, or emotionally. Or emotionally, yeah, yeah. It's just you can only take so much bad news every day for so long, and if if you stick to what you know and you can kind of compartmentalize that mm-hmm. in your head, your own head, and say, okay, this is I'm good at doing this portion of what my job is this out here i'm not that comfortable with but you're but you're smart enough to say okay i yeah. don't want to even attempt that yeah exactly like i have a couple colleagues who work with kids i don't know how they do that i could not it's <laughs> like that is not my area it sounds extremely difficult <laughs> yeah and torturous right especially nowadays so, yeah it's it's hard so it's with hard the social work. media the i mean yeah. we didn't we weren't distracted growing up like they are today yeah, yeah. and it's easy to say all oh, these kids are bad because of social media when we probably would have been the same way growing up. We just we didn't have that opportunity to even have that, yeah, you know. That's we, very true. Or even dealing with a five year old that's been raped already. I mean, right. I, dude, no idea how I, I yeah. that that's not my area. But there are people out there. Uh, you have to be able to shut a part of your brain off oh. to actually hear these stories and not want to go. Yeah, work. I mean, God bless them. They do an incredible job. I know a couple of people that are just absolutely amazing at dealing with these situations and. Like I said, God bless him because I I don't have that. I, I just don't. Yeah. There's no way I, I can deal with this. I read the stories. I never had to 
uh, deal with the victims um, directly, but the perpetrators I did. But it was such a controlled environment that you just conducted yourself professionally, but on the inside, it's just eating you alive. Mm-hmm. But to sit there and have to talk to somebody, especially a child, to, uh, you know, for them to go through their story with you and, and how they were victimized, um, it, it certainly takes a strong individual. I'm not that individual. I can tell you that right now. I'm not. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the innocence of a child. And yep. to take that away from him, um, that would, yeah, nope. I don't want, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my blood boil. something that I think the special individual, you know, I think God made certain people that are capable of dealing with that. And I'm not one of them, um, but there are people out there that can. And Yeah. You know, I, I've actually cried, I think, four times during a session, and all four of them were dealing with adults who were telling me stories of how they were, you know, molested or sexually abused in I couldn't imagine dealing with like right. a five-year-old little girl or a little boy or something like that. I mean, yeah, it's just not my thing. Have you ever had to pull yourself away from a from a client because of something like that? Where like you know maybe maybe the reason you're coming to me isn't the reason you need a therapist. Maybe it's because you have these underlying issues that you need to talk to somebody else about. Um, not, to, not none of them come to mind. Um, I usually bond pretty quickly. Um, with my clients, like we were talking about earlier, if I don't bond with them, then I, I usually say, you know, I think this person would be a better fit for you. Um, so even though it would be difficult, I still, we, we work through it. You know, right. So. Yeah. But I'm, I'm assuming by that point you got, you probably got a pr- pretty good rapport with them and you, you yeah, guys have kind talking. of established a relationship. Yeah. And Well, and I mean, the honesty, by saying that, they're going to, like, okay, this is the place. If there's not, me, maybe me and him aren't doing good to get well I'm not saying good but had that rapport but I like the fact that you guys are honest and not just trying to take my money yes you know yeah and they'll have trust in the whole company yeah in a whole and say okay at least they're honest people they're not just trying to rip me off and you know yeah a year later they're nothing better than, <laughs> than when they came in you know so yeah it's like a good example I, I saw this guy for actually I still see him now but um I seen him for a year and a half before he told me that he was molested by his uncle, right? Sometimes it just takes a long time to get that stuff out. And, I mean, we were, you know, not to sound like a little girl or anything like that, but, I mean, we were both crying when we were talking about it, right? right. It's just like, holy crap, like, this is this just got real, real quick. But it also know? shows that you have a heart and you got feelings, and you're, oh, sure. you're leveling with this person. And, and I think if you can show that kind of emotion that um, – I think it shows the other person that you understand or you are understanding of, you know, what happened. And I think, you know, for somebody to not show any kind of emotion, like, okay, I get it. That's what happened. But, you know, you're actually showing real emotion. I think that helps somebody else open up um, even more with you to, you know, because like this guy understands he's he's leveling with me. Sure, yeah. I mean, they call that countertransference is the technical term for it. Yeah, I was getting ready to say that. Oh, sorry, sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> you cut him off. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's usually, they, they used to teach that was a big no-no. Like, you're not supposed to show emotion at all in therapy because right. you're supposed to be professional. But they've found, actually, research, research has found that, you no, know, you, you show emotion with, with limits, you know. Yeah, um, right. Because it does help build that connection. And um, But it does make it harder, though, after you've done this long road with this person, you have this emotional connection with this person. And then when they're done with therapy, it's like, God, I kind of miss that person. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. So. Well, is it hard to, to keep yourself from getting um, emotionally involved with some of your clients 
and I don't mean that in a weird way. I'm just saying like where you just okay, we've got through our, type being stuff, friends yeah. or yeah, you know. I mean, you've you've created this rapport with somebody, and you guys have had a relationship, a professional relationship for let's say a year, and then all of a sudden they're like, you know, I you know, or you feel that they've reached the the point where they're okay to. Is it hard to? Is it weird not? having that conversation that with somebody that you you've been talking to f- for a year or two sure yeah it absolutely can be um and w- what they what they call that is like what role are you playing in that person's life are you their father figure are you um there's a client that i saw she was a female client there's no doubt in my mind that she saw me as this brother slash spouse type of individual right and, right um I, I was completely ignorant to that fact and you know thank god i have people around me that point things out to me and educate me on these things and it's like oh okay so this is not a healthy relationship but yeah there's always like um emotional connection to people that i have that i struggle with when i have to say goodbye to them right Absolutely. and you obviously you can't professionally contact them outside of no, work to no. say hey how are you doing buddy you know no. well i mean i think legally like you can be friends with them or something like that, but you can't like right. have a relationship with them or anything. Yeah, the well, the funny like you're no, because I, mean, I come back from Iraq and we're forced to see a mm-hmm. therapist or I don't even know the title. It's just we're like sheep in a line, cattle going down. You know, like you go sit in. How was your deployment? Great, because you just want to go home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just want to go home and uh, go home and leave or whatever. And it's like very bland government mm-hmm. you you know what i'm talking about yeah, we got yeah. the glasses they all look the same and did you have a good time yeah <laughs> nah, great time in iraq that's cool yeah, did you have a good time yeah. <laughs> awesome just get shot at every did day you, uh got any issues you want to talk about nope i want to go home i want to you know everybody lied yeah. you know and there's just it, cookie cutter nothing they were not like you're spending a day mm-hmm. and see if they can Core something out of you, you know. Yeah. It was just boop, 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 boop. It was just a check mark on your paperwork. That's yep. all it was. Yeah. So, yeah. How would you get? How would you get? Um, there's. It, it would to me. It seems impossible to get a hardened warrior that's been out for a year, maybe a little <clears> less, <throat> maybe a little more, to open up to you in ten minutes on the first day home. There's no fucking way. Yeah. yeah no. Again, not my area. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a special. That's uh, a you're not going to have that open up until it's going to take. It takes time yeah. for guys because um, they're just excited to be home, and yeah. it's like I don't know what to do, and I don't have to carry a rifle on my back or in front of me all day. I don't have to worry about getting blown up. I don't, and this is like, oh, this is so nice. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about that when you yeah. come home, and so you're just like you're focused on. I want to go see my family. I want to hang out. I want to drink some beers. I ain't drank in a year. You know, just. And I mean, that's not saying that's the healthiest thing to come back from not drinking and drink that, that's 12 packs. That's how some people decompress, though, you know? Yeah, no, and, and it's it, everybody's different. And they told us before we left, they're like, you know, some of y'all are going to be screwed up. Some of you guys will deal with it and not have any issues, you know? So um, it is what it is. Everybody reacts to situations. You know, you're high tense all the time mm-hmm. for a year. And your your sense of awareness is constantly, you know, like I come home and we drive down the expressway. I'd be when we go through underpass. Oh, I like before we come out, I'm like slow down. I'm looking for, her. you know, 
attacks and stuff like that because yeah. convoying that's it's, it's a huge threat you well, know yeah it was what saturday night your wife called me you were walking outside walking around in your underwear banging on a pan with a spoon <laughs> yelling charlie's in the tree <laughs> i had to come talk talk you down no that's not true <laughs> That's not true. And I don't mean to pick fun at people that have PTSD. Yeah. Don't think that. I just, I pick, I pick on Matt because Matt's one of my best friends and I got a license to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious if you're looking for Charlie, how old are you? (laughs) (laughs) Look pretty good for uh, (laughs) my age. He's like 76. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my, my father-in-law was over there um, in Vietnam and he just turned 75. So he went right at 18. But yeah, I mean it. He's got some stories, and he's he opens up to me more about them because I have experiences. Mm-hmm. And the girls come around, and those stories kind of get suppressed a little bit. But, yeah. I mean, we've cried together telling stories and stuff like that. <laughs> but, you know, I have no – the new wars are so different than what that was back then. Yeah, yeah. And um, our technology is way better, obviously, um, even though I did live in the same tents that um, they had in Vietnam. But um, – he feels comfortable. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, GP mediums. Oh, really? Yeah, I was a CB, so I built crap for the Marines. We were yeah. putting nice tents up for the Marines, but we were living in this <laughs> Vietnam era. <laughs> like the ones you see on MASH and yes, stuff like ex- that? Yes, ex- <laughs> that's exactly what yep. we slept in. Yep, 16 dudes slept in there. We oh, all stunk. So nice and snuggled in. Yeah. yeah. Did, did anybody walk around in a dress like Jamie Farr did? No, <laughs> no. Didn't see any of that going on. No. But, um, that's so funny. My dad used so my dad was over there too. He's seventy two now, and he used to watch Mash all the time because he was he described himself as being Hawkeye Pierce. Like he, he saluted, <laughs> okay. he yeah. saluted uh, a colonel with a sandwich in his hand and got the road. <laughs> he's got all these like jackass stories. He tells these players. That's, That's awesome. Wayne's got the same ones. He's you know you're a young kid and he was drafted. You know. Yeah. Um, just uh, you you're getting thrown into a situation that you do not want to be. You don't. <laughs> And, and a lot of them, some of them are, ah, okay. But, yeah, I mean, they were farmers, and it's like you're taking away a child away from the farm, you know, um, which was hard back in the day. Now you got machines that do everything for you. But yeah. um, so, no, it's, it, he's got a lot of good stories, and I love sitting down and talking with him. And, you know, and I think, I don't know how, because obviously your um, clients don't know your background. Um, they, yeah, so I have a, like a profile that's on our website that they read enough to bit, yeah. okay. Might like this guy a little bit, but I mean, saying like you know, in Wayne's situation, my father-in-law's situations, you know, he feels more comfortable talking to me that somebody that knows that's oh, yeah, had absolutely. similar situations, yeah. you know. So, I mean, do you do you think you have more guy clients or is it a mix? You know, it, it's funny. It really depends. Um, it, it, it ebb and flows. Uh, sometimes I have more guys. Sometimes I have more uh, like individuals. I have more guys or nothing in particular though. It, yeah, people are pretty forth, yeah. confident with yep. either. Yeah, sometimes I mean, women just want a male counselor. Sometimes, you yeah. Know? And sometimes guys want a female counselor too. So it just depends. Depends on their issue that yep. they feel more comfortable talking about. So, well, we're coming up on a break. So, yep. Let's take a break. Yep. Take a quick one. We'll come back. Do a quick little segment. We can just BS about anything. Yeah. We don't have to stick on the uh, therapy thing if you don't want to, and we can just BS. Okay. We're just gonna talk shit about uh, Jared and Matt the rest of the time. Yep. Sounds good to me. How pretty I am. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you a profile pic and we'll put it on our website. <laughs> so, all right, guys, we'll be right back.
podcast. Uh, third segment, we got Jared here, the infamous. We're gonna try to therapist. Yeah, we're gonna try to talk him into getting into our par- pyramid scheme. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Sold. I've talked him into getting his checkbook out. I just got to tell him how much he's got to write. <laughs> so I think this segment we're just gonna kind of BS, um, get off the therapy and doom and gloom kind of. I guess it wasn't it's doom and gloom. It was interesting. No, I like I learned a bunch. No, no, no. We left the last segment. I'm pretty sure you'll forget about tomorrow. So no, no, no. Like, who are you and why are you in my show? <laughs> from what I understand, that everything that I've been thinking is right and my wife is totally fucked. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and when and then when you see her, you can explain yourself. Yep, I will. And then mm-hmm. I'll run like hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she might only be five foot two, but she packs a punch. She's taller than that. No, she ain't that much. She's, I think she's five four. No, she's six two, two forty, two forty and five three. Still drives a Mack truck. Yeah. Detroit Lion <laughs> linebacker. Yeah. Uh, no, Lane's only five one, so she's she's, she's like five four. That's why I said she's like five two, five four. She's yeah, oh. she's not that tall. You skipped over the five three. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what she really is. Something. I think she's even. I think she than weighs that. like a hundred pounds soaking wet. That that I would agree with. Yes, she's a tiny little thing. The wind blows strong. Oh, it's, I'm worried about her sometimes because yeah. the wind's strong out your house out in the country. I ain't scared of her. I can run faster than her <laughs> for about three steps. I put th- I put money on that. Actually, I want to see that race. Yeah. No, you don't want to see that race. You're gonna see my fat ass fall over and then she kicked me. Well, Willow would take you out. She bullies me. <laughs> She's a fucking bully. Yeah. Well, girls tend to be you that mean girl stuff. You know they. That happens. Their brains work different than us. So what kind of crazy shit's gonna happen this week in the government? Come on, let's talk about it. This well, they, I, I don't watch the news just to say <laughs> you're fine. So the Senate passed the um, first infrastructure bill, if you want to call it that, which is technically there's more infrastructure in this one, but the next one they want to pass is $3 trillion, which it's, has to do with human infrastructure. Human infrastructure. Which has to do with a lot of stuff that is going to bankrupt America. So the first infrastructure bill was $1 trillion, correct? Yes. Which is way... Is, they're just the middle class is going to be gone here in about six months. Yep, because you can't can't keep printing money. Because okay, say even if you get a raise, say just for hypothetical reasons, you get you make fifteen bucks an hour. Then that's cool. Say you were making ten, but then they're like, yeah, oh, we're going to give you fifteen because we have to because we can't get, keep any employees. But then guess what? Gas is going up, bread's going up milk's going up everything's gonna cost more so you're not getting a raise all you're doing is taxing the middle class yeah. is what happens in the end of that so that passed the senate because we got a bunch of rhinos in there all the uh september 15th all active military are gonna have to be vaccinated they're fighting it but you know the funny thing is is like i didn't have an option in boot camp we just got back you walked down the line and got i had probably 25 shots in one day I was uh, I was talking to my boss about that today because he was active military for like twenty some years, and I'm like, did you? Uh, we call him Colonel. He wasn't a Colonel, but everybody calls him Colonel. I'm like, Colonel, you hear that everybody is active? He goes, dude, they pumped me, pumped me full of so much shit. He goes, I don't know what I got. Yeah. Well, and I, who? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I have anthrax vaccines in me. Yeah. Um. I haven't had any now adverse eye, ref- effects of that besides just twitch. Yeah, you got <laughs> that eye twitch. Is that why you look the way you look? It, it could be. 
That's why I look like a Taliban. He looks like the, yeah, he looks <laughs> like the too guy much time in, uh, over there. He looks like uh, what they call him, the hey you guys. <laughs> hey you guys. Yeah. But you're fine. You're yeah, fine. I'm okay. Everything's fine. I'm still work, <laughs> so I guess something's going but okay. But seriously about that, I was listening to um, on Sirius XM, I listened to Patriot. I forget what channel. I think it's 214 or something. But um, the whole morning they had these guys calling in. They have Breitbart nudes on there. All morning long, all these, supposedly they're, who knows, but all these senior uh, military officials calling in, like, captains and pilots and all the shit. These guys have been there, like, 20, 30 years, and they're all like, nope, we're retiring. We're done. Well, Not uh, doing it. And I, I'm going to say the difference between what I got um, through boot camp and throughout my career um, has all been tested, and it's been out for 40, 50 years. This is still not even approved by the FDA. So, um I could see the how resistance force, to that. How can, how can you force an individual to take a once shot you, once you sign in that America? Con- once you sign that contract, you are government property. That's GI, you know, government issued. You are not. If you got a sunburn, you could get. You could have gotten written up because you neglected your body. If you went out to the beach and had some liberty and went out and and laid in the sun and fell asleep, if you got severe sunburn, you could get written up. Seriously. Like, seriously. 100%. So, these guys were talking about the, uh, and I'm probably going to mess this all up when I say it, but the military code of justice or the military justice code that you can't necessarily be punished for refusing it, but you will get punishment through the military code of justice. Or Am I saying U- that right? <laughs> the UCMJ. Explain yeah. S- explain that. Uniform code. Uniform. Yeah. Uniform code of military justice. So it is pretty much, I'm not going to say it's a constitution for the military, but it is it is a book of rules. And there's, you know, Article 15, It's which is like, you can get um, court-martialed for, it's, a, it's like the general law, you know. So if you just are a piece of shit, or a shit bag, as we say in the military, you can get you can get um, court-martialed, which and you get kicked out of the military. If, if you're doing something so egregious that, you know, I mean, it depends on what it is. Normally, just being a drunk person and you do something stupid, you get your pee-pee slapped and you might have to do some extra duty. I want to get my pee-pee <laughs> What do I got to do? So, um, make it bigger. <laughs> Slap it. That's... <laughs> you need surgery for that. Um, so, well, here, here's my conspiracy theory, and I'm just making... this. Is, this popped my brain today. So you have all these people in the military that are going to make a big exit because they're not like the senior guys that that are hard, you know, like the granddads that are hardened war warriors, right? They're going to be leaving because they're refusing to take the the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Do you think? And this is my opinion. Do you think this is a way that they're going to weaken the military? They already did that in Obama. To wash it out. They already did that in Obama with the leadership roles. Um, if if they didn't uh, prescribe to Obama's thought process, and you could see, I mean, they weakened their military so much during his years, and Trump was trying to build it back up. Um, but do you think this I is don't another think, attempt? Um, yeah, I'm sure it's an attempt, but I don't think the career guys, besides the guy, I, I think the only guys that are, they have the option to actually retire early, will probably, they probably will do it. Um, but you got a lot of young E6 and below that are leaders that won't, they'll say, screw it, I'm taking it. 
and, and just going on about their lives, you know. I mean, if, if they get reverse uh, adverse reactions from this uh, shot, the government's, we're on the dole for that. Right, but <coughs> then they get sent to the VA, which under this current administration, Trump fixed it or was in the works of fixing it. Yeah. But they're going to get sent to the VA. Right. And they're going to be fucked. Well, I think a lot of what Trump did, he, it wasn't just, there were some executive orders, but a lot of it was actually written into law. So you can't, Biden just can't reverse it. He, he would have to do amendment or they would have to amend the, the law or whatever. But um, these fuckers do whatever they want, dude. Nowadays, yeah. yeah and it's sick. I mean, so I have a question here, non conspiracy theory guy. Why, why do you think that they would want to weaken the military? What would be the purpose of that? Because they, I'm not going to say the Democrat Party. I'm going to say the far left progressives mm-hmm. that Joe Biden's prescribed himself to now. Um, they want a weak America. They want government in control of your everyday life. So like a socialist yep, yeah, utopia. I, yeah, I, yeah, I get all that. Why would making a military weak achieve that, though? <laughs> Who's going to fight back? Right. Oh, so maybe the military is their biggest stumbling block. So they, okay, I got you. Once you, you get the, the, and this is the thing that sucks. Well, they, he already threatened, what, nukes and tanks against us? <laughs> For our, to start having a gun, yeah. Um, so that was like the last block to get to their agenda, the Marxist agenda or, you know, the Saul of the world. Um, so once you defile the U.S. military, which has always been patriotic and always been America first type, you know, like how Trump was. Um, you get the leadership in there and, and start brainwashing these kids that are coming in. Um, and I witnessed it because I, I probably would have stayed and retired. Um, I got in 2013, but that was under Obama. And these kids coming out of boot camp were so defiant and like they didn't understand orders. It's like, and I'm E6, I'm running a platoon. And I tell them to do something. They're just like, mm, I don't know. Like, no. And then they get their asses handed to them. And they were just like, this, is, this isn't what I signed up for. Like, well, you did. So, you know, um, it's sad to see what the direction that our military is going into. Um, well, look at the senior leadership. I mean, they, you know, you had uh, um, what general was it, the one... <clears throat> want to implement? I think it was for the Navy, right? Am I am I saying that right? Want to implement the CRT into? Um, you had to, you had to read it. The well, the general uh, Mill, Millie, Millie, Millie. He's the uh, DOD. He's part of the whole the upper echelon that's in the Pentagon. The ref, don't they call him the ref? And he's rear, rear echelon fucks. They're. And it's the problem is it isn't the upper echelon. The, uh, the problem is the upper echelon of the military. It's the you know units, the battalions, the guys that are down on the ground doing their job. They don't want anything to do anything to do with this stuff. Well, and it's funny you mention that because the guy that one of the guys that stuck out to me that called in this morning on that show um, had been in twenty seven years. He was um, I forget his rank or whatever. He, he I think he mentioned it. But he trained trained people how to do their jobs. What he what he what he said, and he said uh, he got the vaccine vaccine because of underlying health issues. He goes, but his he's the only one, the only one out of his whole battalion that got it. Yeah. 
So what would happen, in your opinion, what would happen if you had enough mil- military personnel to stand down and say, no, we're not doing it? I don't know if it's ever happened, but I would say that they would, the leadership would definitely have to think about it because you're not going to lose a whole battalion. Because, I mean, you're not. A whole out. fucking battalion said no. What would happen? It might have happened before, and I don't know about it, but I would, they, they couldn't do it. They'd be like, okay, well. So, But well, usually it's it's not. How, how many personnel are in a battalion typically? The, Coming from a, a military guy, because I don't know. I don't know that Jared knows, but you you probably know. Well, what, a battalion is. What's a battalion? A couple hundred, you know, pushing a thousand people probably. <clears throat> I can speak for Navy Seabees, but. Um, and we're all pretty structured the same as far as hierarchy goes. So, so you know, you got your companies. You can go all the way down the fire teams, and, and your company could be 100 people. You know, I mean, it depends on. So it's, what it's your a thousand, thousand dudes. Or more, or less. I mean, it depends on the, the unit, or, you know, it's a lot of people. It ain't like just right. six people saying, we're not going to take it. They'd be like, no, you're going to take it, or you're out. Because you can replace six people pretty quickly. I mean, they had a pilot call in and said that I've been in um, 20 years or 23 years. And he goes, I flat out told him. He goes, I will not take it. And if you if you make me take it, I will retire now. And you, you can have your retirement. I don't well, give a shit. Well, the officers have a different... Officers are different because officers, once they get past their obligation, they can retire whenever they want to. So, like, when unless it goes, you... You sign a contract for say four years, and if you you can't you can't just get out. You can't just say I'm done today. Screw it. Officers have a different contract. Once their minimum length of time is um, achieved, then they can retire okay. at will. So enlisted is completely screwed. You can get. I mean, it may, if if there's not enough people that won't take it, they'll probably just give them a general discharge. You know, kind of like a. Re- you know, say like a religious thing. But you're talking an exit of probably thousands <coughs> of soldiers. Over everything, yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you... I mean, wouldn't you think you'd change your protocols? You don't want to lose thousands of soldiers, especially like guys that have experience. You don't want to lose those guys. I don't... I don't know. I don't know if this is... There's any precedent to say this has happened before. I'm sure there are... I mean, on a very small scale, religious... Uh, believes people don't do stuff um, and they're not required but it's so small prior to this I don't know the atmosphere right now I've been out for what eight years so I don't know the atmosphere really uh, the one contact I still stay in, in contact he's getting ready to deploy but he said everything's on his and where he's at everything's still good to go there's no real descent nothing you know they're not teaching CRT they're not doing any of that stuff so I think it's it's localized to certain commands and certain whatever, I would assume. But, I mean, it's still scary to even think that's, you know, being incorporated into the military right now. Because I don't think military should be – there should be no politics whatsoever. No. Because we couldn't – even for my first one in 98, we, didn't, we were not allowed to uh, go to political events in uniform. You weren't allowed to, like, there was no talk of politics at, when we were actually on duty. You couldn't do any of that stuff, which I agree with. I think that you don't want to divide people that are fighting together. Yeah, I mean, 
like you were saying, like the commander in chief, no matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, commander in chief is your boss. Mm -hmm. Like that's just the chain of command. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't yep. matter. He's a say all be all for yep. us. Um, I mean, he can overrule any general or admiral or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, I, a smart commander in chief would take advice from leaders that have been in there for 30 years, you oh, would think. They went to Harvard Law. They <laughs> right. know far more about yeah. yes. these things. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about that CRT for a second. Uh, so, um, could you educate me or your listeners? At, what, what do you mean CRT? What is that? Critical race theory. Oh, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you've seen yes. the stuff yep. on that. Mm -hmm. So, Jared, you got kids, school age kids. Mm -hmm. I've got a school age son. Yep. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm sure you've looked at it and read a little bit about it. Yes, that is, that's a very controversial topic. Um, what I think they're so I don't know that what they're referring to uh, as critical race theory is actually critical race theory, and. And I think it varies between school districts to school yeah, district. I, 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 yeah, so obviously, again, very touchy subject. But um, I don't think that they are the same thing that they're talking about. Um, do I agree with it? No, I don't think so. I think that it actually hinders, and I may get in trouble for saying this, but I actually think it hinders race relations. Yes. Oh, 100%. And, um, I think it's, um, you know, anytime you tell a, a, a black person or a black man that he needs help because he cannot do this thing on his own is actually racist and yeah now is that critical race theory some would argue it is some would argue that it isn't um but yeah i don't know it's and i don't think both feels doing it but um, well there's one teacher yeah she said she's gonna one do it teacher regardless. said regardless no. she's gonna do it we'll see i don't know i think there was a teacher a couple of years ago um that did it there was talking about that in elementary school yep. and yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about yep. yeah and she's yep. no longer there yeah um and they all claim it it starts in um it's all comes from uh being taught in law schools at like harvard and this is where the the first notion of it is all came from mm. um but and that's fine. I mean, if we can have these conversations, and that's good. We need to have conversations about race, race relations and stuff like that. Yeah, is America flawed? Yeah, of course it is. But have we progressed to the point to where we we don't want to go back to segregation? But you you see these universities doing that a lot now, you know, like separate graduations. Um, you see what well, – I don't want to go backwards. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, being in the military because no one cared about race in the military. And and because everybody's your brother and sister. In the military, no, does it? yeah. It's I mean, there's probably a few idiots. I get yeah. it, but the, trust me, those guys would be. Well, they get blanket partied and <laughs> yeah, exactly. be out pretty quick. But because no, because we're all brothers and sisters in arms. This is our mission. This is what we're doing. We don't care about well, any of that stuff. At the end of the day, I don't care what color you are. You could be black, red, white, purple, green, blue, magenta. We all bleed red. Yep. We all bleed red. And as far as the military goes, you stand up for your brothers and sisters yeah. in arms. You you take care. You you got your battle buddy. I don't give a fuck what color he was. You were going to fucking take care of him until the end of, end of time. Didn't matter. Even if you didn't care for him personally, just not because of his race, but just because you got shitty people in the military too. Don't get me wrong. Sure. You know, just like anything. But it wasn't because of the race. It was because either they were a shitbag or and they didn't want to work and do their, you know, hold up their part to lessen the load on the rest of us or, or for whatever reason. They were just 
constantly miserable, you know. But you um, still stand up for them. Still, oh yeah, yeah. Still die for them. Yeah, it's you know. A, I mean, that's identity, right? So that's right. Just from a psychological standpoint, we all have this identity that we hold true to ourselves, right? So military's always been really good at that. Yeah, and I don't want to see that destroyed. No, and you know, like, a weak military is not good for what's going on in the world. You know, with everything going on, um, you know, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Russia, China. If we have a weak military, we're not going to stand a very big chance of uh, succeeding through that. And as far as the the racial divide that they claim that is here, I don't. Maybe I'm blind, but you know I work down in like Sylvania and Toledo, which are fairly big cities around us. And there's there's a big uh, demographic of of mixed race down there. I don't see it at all. You hold the door open for him, they hold the door open for you. Thank you. Excuse me. It's it's always like that. I don't see the racial divide that they they claim that is here, and I, and I live in a small area, but it, but but the town I live in or the town I work in, you just don't see it. So I I, I can't relate to the whole privileged privilege shit. Like it, you live in America. You are already a, you already got to step up. You live in fucking America. You can do mm-hmm. anything you want, and you can make anything of yourself that you want to make it yourself with hard work determination confidence and fucking pushing forward you can do anything you want so i i don't see the like the white the the white uh privilege i don't i don't i don't i never had that no and i fucking and worked i worked you worked you worked everybody worked yeah to get where you're at you 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 made sacrifices you know you did all that shit. You 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 had your mindset on I have this goal and this is where I'm going to get. I never let the situations around me determine where I'm going to end up at the end of the day. Well, a weak and scared populace is easy to control. I think and it, I think that's where I think we're it's at. dangerous to give people yeah. an out like that. Well, it's cuz you're cuz your skin color, it's cuz where you grew up that you're never going to make it. I think that's for racist as fuck. Yeah. How can you tell somebody that because you're black and you grew up in the projects that you're never going to make it because whitey over here is is throwing trash in the truck? If you want to, get the fuck out. Do your job. Go get a job. Work yourself up. They had that doctor that made that giant argument at his school. And the, the, the video went viral and shit. But um, fatherless home. Typical, I mean, it's, it's their argument, but he, he made their argument yeah. work against him. He's like, I had a fatherless home. My mom worked two jobs. I grew up in the ghetto, and he's a doctor now. He goes, I worked two jobs. I didn't got, want that for me and my family. He's got I, three doctorates, actually. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a lot of school. He worked his ass off. Sure. Yeah. And that's what it takes. It, you know, you go to, to a hometown America, Midwestern America, or anywhere in America, really, people work. And they take care of their neighbors, regardless of what color they are. I don't give a fuck if my neighbor was black or brown or green. I, I, who, well, if he was green, it might, might make a difference. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't see that shit around here. And I would never treat somebody different because of their color. I wasn't brought up that way. And I don't feel that way. I judge a man by his character, not his color. Well, I think the problem is, is big cities. Okay, so yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I think that the problem is kind of... The, the you have too many people situation. concentrated yeah. in so tight of space, yes. and then you're living on top of each the other. The majority of African-American people or black people in this country, which I... Whatever term is 
more politically correct. <laughs> um, is yeah, they are like almost herded into areas that are make it very difficult. And they found like a lot of black men end up having PTSD because they grow up in a situation that is very similar to war. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. And yeah, they are set up to fail. I'm not, you know, I'm not big on the race theory or even the white privilege concept, but um, I do think that things need to change to give individuals, whether you're white or black, different opportunities. Yes. Right? More and freedom. Yeah. And, and, I know. But, but I think it starts in the community. I think the community as a whole needs to better itself. Yeah, and and, I, and then we'll go. I'll go back to my talking point. That I always talk does about that, is the does fact that, that make sense? I mean, yes. like as a community as a whole, you as a community, you need to come together as a community and do better for yourself. I think what you we all need, have the opportunity and the possibility to do it. You just have to make that commitment and make it happen. We need to get back to local government where we are more involved with our local governance because that's where we're most intimate with and we can hold them accountable. If all we care about is what's in Washington, D.C. You know what? If Washington, D.C. says this, and you're seeing a lot of states saying, no, we're not 10th Amendment. You can't do this stuff here because we didn't give you that power to do such a thing. How about we start at local? We can hold our local represent vote, you know, um, local representatives accountable way easier than we can people in uh washington dc because they don't they're not you can send them emails you can give them a call and you get some stupid person on the phone okay i'll let them know yeah right like they're gonna get the memo you know but we can hold local officials accountable for their actions and you vote them out it's way easier to vote out somebody on on the village council here than it is to vote out million you know you need you're going against millions of people for the federal level or even state level. So we just need to focus on start there, work away to state, and then eventually the states will get So okay, so that that's a good argument. I I agree with what you're saying. My question is is if you're living in the south side of Chicago, mm-hmm. who's going to convince you to do that? Why would you want to? The problem that? is yes. And that's I mean. that's again that's a city thing. Yeah. And you got a bunch of city folks that we're told they have to vote a certain way forever. and But they don't realize that I keep voting this way and nothing changes. It's because there's a narrative out there that the mainstream media keeps saying this is the best thing in the world. You know, you got all these gun, all the gun violence in the world in Chicago. They have the strictest gun laws in America. Yeah. But nothing changes. It isn't because legal gun owners are doing this stuff. It's because illegal gun owners are doing this stuff. They're buying stuff on the black market, and you're never going to get rid of that. I don't care who you are. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But I also, you talk about the mainstream media narrative. I also think that there's a narrative in every community mm-hmm. that's convinced people of certain things that is not true, right? And I don't think anything's going to change until we really start to... <sighs> I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. <laughs> but I, I think a lot of it has to, has to do with more integration, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of having all of these separate communities that exist, like, you, you know, you talk about New York and... They call it gentrification. You know, if white people move into a certain neighborhood, then prices go up and all this kind of stuff. And, and I agree that that's rough, right? That's, you know, I can imagine being someone that you know, has worked his whole life and he's done the right things, and then all these white people come into my neighborhood and all right. of a sudden my, my rent goes up and all this kind of things. Like, I understand that, but I really think that we need to, like, 
kind of spread things out a little bit. It's just it's so segregated still to this day. And whatever yeah. reason that is, whether you believe in conspiracy theories like the man from, you know, undercover brother sitting there with his hand on the button, you right. know, doing it, like maybe that's true. I don't know. But well, I think a lot of it is is that people feel comfortable more about who looks like them. They want to be surrounded by the people that look like them, and it's been that way since time. And it has been, and, yeah. and but it's all I. So I think also think it's a class thing too. See, I, I think economics come, plays oh, a, such a huge role yeah. in this that we're we turn it into such a race thing versus looking at the socioeconomic status of the situations or these communities that we really need to focus on more. Right. Well, when you look at the the lower those communities that are lower, um, you know, economically, mm-hmm. um, tend to be minorities. Yes. Oh, yeah. But also tend to vote heavily Democrat because they is, get because yeah. they get the social programs. It, and I forget, who, I don't know if it was Candace Owens or who it was, but she said um, it's pretty much the Democrats still got people of minority still on the plantation. It's just a different type of plantation. Yeah. Yes, I, I've heard that. And, and, and I'm not saying that I disagree with that. I, I think that there there has been, whether it's institutional racism or a, a an intelligent attack on the black community. I mean, at one point in time, you know, black communities had black doctors, black accountants, black yep. attorneys. The Black and, Wall Street. Yeah, they had all of these professionals who were doing very well, like mm-hmm. in their communities, right? And then all of that just went away. And whatever the reason is, you know, I, I, fathers I, are gone from the. I you know probably agree with a good portion of that. Yeah, to be we don't have to know. dive into that too yeah. much, but because no, we're coming up on the end of the show here, but yeah. Um, so tell us a fun fact about yourself that. Just uh, we can. You're putting me on the spot here. I know. Yeah. You gotta give us so. a give us something that nobody else knows about you. <laughs> I mean, you guys talk amongst yourself. I'm gonna think about this one. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fun fact. Did you see that flag on his back window that was uh, had rainbows? I don't know what that means. <laughs> He likes rainbows. What's wrong with yeah, that? Uh, apparently nothing. He, he has ever seen Ralphie Mae's bit um, about rainbow, how he wants the rainbows back. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. <that>. It's <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, 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 I don't know. I guess a fun fact about myself is that I've lowered myself to come and hang out with the two of you. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I would concur Perfect. with that. Such a yeah. poor Perfect. decision of my part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you there. That, that's, a, that's a pretty good fun fact. That's a good so. assumption. Yeah. <laughs> We are, we're, uh, gonna, we're, we're the gonna, friends in low places. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to run that through, uh, that I'm going to run that through Facebook fact checkers just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I figured all your stuff had Facebook fact checkers on it. Yeah, we steer away from that. I just, yeah. But hey, Jared, dude, thank you so much, so much for coming on here. We, we, we certainly appreciate it and getting some of that knowledge. Um, where, where can our friends, if they are having problems or, or, or anything, is there a way that they can contact you? Are you comfortable with putting that out there? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, you, I mean I'm mean, i sure the people that are listening actually know who I am. Or you can always get a hold of me on Facebook or give me a call or shoot me a text or whatever, and I'll try to steer you in the right direction. Yeah, awesome, absolutely. man. Well, we certainly appreciate your time, um, as always. And if you don't know him, just uh, you can send an email to us on uh, Black Cash podcast at yahoo.com yep. um, check out our website at blackcashpodcast.com um, and if you do need to talk to somebody we'll it, get you guys seriously connected. yeah um, if you guys <coughs> do need somebody email us um, totally private we will never divulge anybody's information 
Um, but if you do have some, some things you need to get off your chest or you know having some problems, we will uh, steer you in the right direction towards uh, the company that Jared works for or um, somewhere in that nature if we can. Yep. And if, if then you're, or you could guide them yeah, somewhere, wherever yeah, they need to go. Yep. So Jared's a good guy. He's actually... Uh, questionable <laughs> no jared's awesome dude you guys if seriously he's a good dude to talk to i've i've talked to him several times on the personal level so he's he's a good dude we we, we bust each other's chops constantly but uh he That's is fun. one of the boys he he's a good dude so with that being said you got any last words jared you want to just yeah, we're about to murder your career. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, if anybody needs any, uh, has any help wanted signs, you know, let me know. <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys They're having all me on. It was fun. It was a good time. Yeah. So I appreciate like it. I said, Glad just hanging here, out, man. having a conversation. So and I think people enjoy that. Everybody likes the uh, organic. Absolutely, just man. sit down and talk. It's always off the cuff. We never script shit on this show. It's always off the cuff. We, we enjoy it that way. So. Yep. So with that being said. <clears throat> We are out for this week. That's right. We'll see you Tuesday. Um, we'll have an announcement Tuesday. Yeah. We got some something coming up. So, so uh, as always, uh, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all your social media platforms. We're always there. Um, and all pod, podcast yep. platforms. And so. don't forget about Facebook. Uh, stay in tune. Stay informed. We'll talk to you next week. Black Cash out. Welcome back to Black Cash Pop.